1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse, that's not what you're turning to, that's what they just sang. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 3. And truly, of the spiritual gifts, there's no greater gift that we can have than love. But can I say this morning, there's no greater gift given to this world than the Lord Jesus Christ. And what is so sad is that in this Christmas season... People are afraid to say Christmas. They're afraid to celebrate what is the greatest reason for this season, and that is that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen Amen and amen. I tell you what, my friends, don't be afraid to say Merry Christmas. Amen. 
and to share the greatest gift of all, and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. People need Jesus. They'll spend eternity in hell without Jesus Christ as their Savior. Now, as you've come in this morning, we've had a wonderful time, haven't we? Oh, I'm telling you, I've been thrilled. I, I told uh, Drew I about blew a lip on one of those songs there. You just get so excited about playing them and, and then hearing uh, about uh, singing about uh, standing before the Lord and the, the gifts and this morning's Sunday school. And, and uh, then just one day he's coming again, and I'm looking forward to that. And the thing is, time is short. Time is short. We're seeing things, even though we might hear that terrorists are not here in our country, we understand they are in our country, don't we? The thing is to be prepared no matter what happens to you in your life, whether it's a terrorist or an automobile accident or cancer, whatever it might be, you need to be prepared to reach heaven's shores. And it's not going to be by our good works. It's going to be by the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and you putting your faith in Jesus Christ. Now, this morning, we want to be very, very clear on that. And there are some things this morning as God has laid in my heart. And, and I tell you, as, as, I, as I think about this message this morning, I'm very excited about some of the things that are going to be said. And I just pray that God will help us to understand as we turn in our Bibles uh, there to uh, Matthew chapter 5. This morning, I'm going to talk about the central principle. The central principle. And, and here, uh, and again, it is amazing what God lays forth in this Sermon on the Mount. Again, we talked about as he's coming to this new relationship, verses 17. And uh, now he's going he's gonna to lay forth some, some very important principles. Very important principles. He's talked about the person and our attitude. And boy, that was convicting. And I'm telling you what, I love coming to church and being convicted. I like hearing what I need to do to, to better please my Lord. I want that to be a part of my life because I love Him. I want to grow my life. I want to develop my life. And that should be all of us this morning. If it's not that purpose in our lives, if that's not there in our lives, we need to examine what we are living for and why we're living in our lives. Then to be salt and light, we talked about that. And then the position of the law that the Lord came to fulfill. All We've been talking about all this in the Sermon on the Mount, now he's going to expand these truths. He's going to expand these truths. And as we, we get into these truths, he says in verse 20, For I say. And again, as these people have followed him up on this mountain or this plateau or whatever it might have been, you know, mountains there were a little bit different than our mountains here. You all understand that. When we have real mountains in the Northwest, amen, like that. My wife's from Florida, and the highest mountain that she has there is 400 feet in Florida, all right? That's their mountain, 400 feet. Well, we, we're, at, we're at sea, you know, we're, where we are at 400 feet, but the mountains that tower around us. And so he's up there on this, this plateau or this mountain, and he's proclaiming to them these truths. And again, it is of, 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 a, of a principle, principles of our living. It's not about necessarily getting saved. And so he says unto them, and what is his authority? Well, he is God. He is God's word. And you're going to notice, I say unto you. And some of them are scratching their heads and say, what's this 30-year-old? What gives him the authority to talk to us? And especially in what he says. Now, verse 20, I'm sure it caused some people to swallow twice especially the religious leaders out there. And I want you to understand something because we get confused about our external religion versus our internal relationship. And that's what I want us to understand this morning, the internal relationship that we have with Jesus Christ when we're born again. 
He says, I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees, ye shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And I'm sure a lot of people that were there were wondering, wow. We have a group of people that they parade around, make long prayers, they tithe, and, and they, they walk in these uh, gowns, and they, 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 they exemplify the sacredness. How could our righteousness exceed their righteousness? Well, you have to understand there's a difference between external righteousness and internal righteousness. The Bible says there's none righteous, no, not one. There's not a person in this room who is righteous in and of themselves. And I'm going to tell you something, folks. When you begin to examine what Jesus is presenting here, he's laying a foundation down here of how we are to have this relationship with Christ and accepting Christ into our heart and how that changes us and we get his righteousness. And so that's what we're going to look at this morning. It is about the heart of the issue. Uh, in uh, in uh, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 5, uh, God says to examine ourselves whether we be in the faith, not in the Baptist church, in the faith. And there's a big difference of whether Jesus Christ is in your heart or whether it's something that we put on. Do we put something on externally and we show ourselves in church or we try to have some uh, semblance of, of religiosity in our lives? We come to church because we have to or, or is it real in our soul? That's what I want to talk about this morning is making sure that it is real in your soul. I have believed in Jesus Christ all of my life. But it wasn't until I understood that I was a sinner in need of a Savior that I invited Christ to come in my heart, and He changed my life. And that's what we want to see this morning, because there's many folks in church that do not have the relationship with Jesus Christ. And we need to examine ourselves, as He says, as we'll be in the faith, prove your own selves. So this is some test that we're going to look at today and probably next week a little bit as well, is whether we are really in Christ, whether we've been born again, whether we've really been saved. I would say that most of us here this morning would say, yes, I've been saved. Yes, I've been born again. But uh, Paul is telling the Corinthians, you examine yourselves, whether you're in the faith. Know you not your own selves, how that Jesus Christ is in you, except you be reprobates. In other words... You'd be worthless if Jesus Christ is not your Savior. You can do all kinds of external things. You can get baptized. You can come to church. But if Jesus not, as Christ is not in you, it's worthless. And Jesus Christ, right in the core, the central principles of His preaching, is coming to the heart of the issue, is that the Pharisees and the religious crowd had missed the heart of the relationship with God. And I want to encourage us, we need to make sure that we grow in our heart, in our relationship with God. Because as that matures, we're going to discover so many wonderful truths about God in our lives in this relationship. Now, I've got some verses up here. We went over this on Wednesday night. 
And we're talking about sanctification on Wednesday night, and I'd love for you to be a part of that. I'm telling you, our study on Wednesday night has been so thrilling to understand uh, what God has done for us and then how, to, how we live out the life that God has put into us. But I want you to catch this this morning as we understand what Paul so clearly exemplifies and talks about over and over in the church epistles. Here, he's in prison, but he's writing to the Colossians, and he says... Um, This includes you who are once far away from God. So he's writing to church, to the church of Colossia. He's talking to those who are born again in that church. He says, at one time, you were a far away from God and you were his enemies. Now that sounds different than our attitude towards sin today, doesn't it? But that's how God describes those who have not been born again. They're not close to God. I used to think, well, if I did this or I went to church, I'd get just get a little bit closer to God. No, you don't get closer to God by trusting your own works. The Bible says you're an enemy separated from him by your evil. What? Thoughts and actions. As we get into what Jesus says unto the righteousness of the Pharisees exceeding, he says, you know, you've heard it said, don't kill somebody. But I'm going to tell you that if you think in your heart and you have anger in your heart towards your brother, you've committed murder in your heart. And there's a heart issue that's taking place. So our thoughts and our actions and truly our thoughts become our actions because the Bible says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he becomes. He says, yet now, praise God for that. I'm telling you what, I'm glad I live in the now of my salvation rather than the past uh, struggles of my life. Yet now he hath reconciled you to himself. He has brought an enemy, a sinner, a lost person. He's brought us and he's reconciled us unto himself. We have been redeemed by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, as it says, through his death of Christ in his physical body. And Jesus dying on that cross, now he's bought us. As a result, as a result, he has brought you into his own presence. Praise God for that. And you are holy. And blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. How about that? Is that okay? You see, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ has cleansed you totally. Once and for all. Now, as the Bible says, we can come boldly before the throne of grace because we've been born again by what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. Faultless. Without a single fault. Why? Because of Jesus Christ and Him only. Any other reasons for it? No other reasons. How? Do you like that? Amen? I like that. That's how God looks at me because I put my faith in Jesus Christ. Now, the devil doesn't like you to see that, does he? He wants you to see all kinds of faults. He wants you to see faults in people. He wants you to focus on those things. The Bible says now there's no condemnation to those who are in Jesus Christ. Praise God for that. I would hope that some of you that maybe struggle with your assurance of salvation would understand that it's not about who you are. It's about who he is that has saved us. And that here he says this 
in this particular passage. Then verse 23 says, but you must continue to believe this. Because, you know, if you don't, if you don't continue to believe this, if you don't have your faith there, what's going to cause, there's going to cause all kinds of, of difficulties in your life and anxieties in your soul and wondering, am I saved? Am I not saved? And stand firmly in it. Don't be wishy-washy on this. I mean, after I got saved, I would do some things afterwards. And, and, and I began to think, well, maybe I'm not saved. Maybe I am saved. Maybe, you know, but listen, that battle going on was then starting to judge my relationship with God based on my performance rather than on his work on the cross. And so you have to come back and be firmly planted in that your faith is in Jesus Christ and him only. We are not about works getting into heaven. All right? So that's what it means there. Don't drift away from that assurance you've received when you heard the good news, the gospel. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servants to proclaim it. You know what? We have all been proclaimed. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you have been proclaimed. You've been called to proclaim the gospel, the good news, because what has happened to you needs to happen to everyone in this world. And we need to tell people about Jesus Christ. Amen? What a great time of year to tell people about Jesus Christ when people are afraid even to talk about the Lord. Then he goes on in Colossians chapter 2, and he says, You were dead. Because of your sins. Before you're saved, you're dead in the trespasses of your sin. And because your sinful nature was not yet cut away. This is what we've been talking about on Wednesday night. The word there, cut away, is this, this word for circumcision. When you get saved, God cuts away your flesh. And you're born again. And there's actually, we, we talked about this on Wednesday night. Boy, I, I wish you uh, uh, were able to be a part of that. Uh, some of us that uh, were there, we get to, uh, to see a little glimpse into this. It's almost like when you get saved, you're walking around with two people. Two people. The one that's been redeemed and the other that's not redeemed, that's your flesh. And that's why, as a born-again believer, sin bothers you because you see it and say, Wow! Look what my flesh is doing. And that causes conviction in your heart because you want to please God and you're changed inside. And now you're confessing your sins. You know, I used to steal, swear, all kinds of things like that. And uh, I never confessed those sins. Except if I wanted to barter with God and that maybe he would do something favorable for me. I said, okay, God, I'll get right now, but make sure you take care of me. After you get born again, sin becomes a detestable action in your life and you don't want to have any part of it. But your flesh says, hey, come on, come on, let's go out and party. Let's go out and do these things. And your soul says, oh, no, let's not. And so the Bible says, don't yield to it. You don't have to yield to it because you've died to sin's authority and you've been cut away from your flesh. And now because you live now in the presence of the Lord and you live under his uh, controls and his power, you don't have to yield to the flesh. And so he says here, he says, you were dead because of your sins and because of your sinful nature was not yet cut away. Then God made you alive with Christ and he's forgiven you of how many of your sins? All. When God says all, what does he mean? Isn't that something? We all understand that. 
All means all. Praise God for that. I have been made alive. There's a living uh, organism and, and it's, it's my soul becoming alive. And now the relationship with the Lord is real. He canceled the record of the charges against us and took it away by nailing it to the cross. I like that. The idea there is, as a sinner, I am condemned. As a sinner, I deserve hell. As a sinner, I have charges against me. But he says all the charges have been taken away. Don't you like that, Donna? When I stand in his presence, there's not a charge that I'll be charged against in my relationship and my, my, uh, my eternal destination because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Is that clear? It's very clear. We need to gain ownership of this because the old devil tries to rob you of your salvation. We go into uh, verse 15. In this way, he's disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. Uh, you see, when before you're saved, you're in this kingdom of darkness. Now, most people don't recognize. I didn't know that I was in the, the, the authority of Satan and sin and had all this, uh, this control in my life. He says, but it's been disarmed and the spiritual rulers and authorities. In other words, that when I got saved, I became a part of God's family. I'm no longer a part of the family of Satan and sin in this world. That's why the things of Satan, sin in this world feel so uncomfortable as a born again believer. You've changed. You ever go to someone's house and you say, boy, I just can't relate with them. That's the way it should be with sin. I mean, sin should, should be a disgust to us. And that's why we want to confess it. So don't let anyone condemn you for what you eat or drink or, or for uh, not celebrating certain holy days or the new moons or ceremonies or the Sabbaths. You see, people that are born again are under a, 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 a new authority, and that's God, and the law, or those things. Because you see, there's, there's in religion, in religions, they're trying to put people under certain uh, uh, aspects of the law and say, all right, you can be born again, but you've got to obey the Sabbath, or you can be born again, but you don't want to eat this or drink this. And that's what's kind of what was going on, especially in Paul's time. The Judaizers, they says, okay, we'll believe in Jesus, but we can't give up not eating the meats offered to idols and we can't give up these other things in our lives because we feel like that needs to be tacked on to our salvation. And Paul's saying, no, nothing can be tacked on to your salvation. You are saved by grace through faith alone and nothing else. Makes it very clear. In verse 20, you have died with Christ and he has set you free from the spiritual powers of this world. So why do you keep on following the rules of this world, such as don't handle, don't taste, don't touch? That's interesting. He says in another place in the scriptures, if you have been saved by faith, don't walk in the flesh. Don't walk under the rules and things like that. Walk in the spirit. That's an interesting concept. In verse 22, such rules are mere human teachings about things that deteriorate as we use them. These rules may be seem wise because they require strong devotion, pious self-denial, and severe bodily disciplines, but they prove 
no help in conquering a person's evil desires. The only way that can conquer the evil desires is recognized by faith you are saved and by faith you are in Christ. And then notice what he says in uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Since you have been raised to a new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of the earth. And so this earth and the things of this flesh and that... That, that aspect of what's going on still wants to keep us in prison. And there are people who have been born again who seem to still have a, an affinity towards the flesh, which, which we all do to a degree. Don't get me wrong. But he says, oh, if we would set our affections on things above rather than things of this world. And I want to ask you a question. Where is our affections? Are we really in love with God? considering what He has done for us to rescue us and to deliver us? Are we really in love with God? Are we in love with the things of this world? And mark it down. If we love the things of this world, if we love ourselves, there's going to be a, a joy robber there that you will regret for most of your life. But you find yourself in love with God Oh, I'm telling you something. Because of the relationship you have. Not a religion. It's not about a religion. It's about a relationship with God. And it grows sweeter as the days go by. Y'all know what I'm talking about? It ought to be growing. There ought to be things in my life that there's a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. He talks about in the attitudes. There ought to be, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the Word. There ought to be the change that He has put in my life. It's not about... The pastor say, hey, folks, don't do this and don't do that. No, there ought to be something inside of me that says, hey, I want to be in church. I want to learn what God has to say. I've told you time and time again before I got saved, I hated church. After I got saved, no one had to tell me to be to church because all of a sudden it became a part of my life. It wasn't a rule. All right, get up and let's go to church. No. It was there. Now, let me just say this. Sometimes my flesh, remember this guy over here? He says, you don't really want to go to church. You stayed up to midnight last night. You need to sleep in. You're tired. That's what the flesh says. And the soul says, no, I want to go. I want to go. I want to go. <laughs> That's a battle. That's a battle. Don't yield it to the flesh. Don't yield to the flesh. Oh, I'm telling you, praise God for this amazing principle here. Now back to Matthew chapter 20 as we, we get into this, this, this portion of scriptures. And, and he says, except uh, your righteousness exceeds. You know how many accepts there are in the Bible? There's quite a few of them. The word means unless. When the Bible says, except ye repent, you shall likewise perish in Luke 13. Uh, John 6, 44, it says, except the father draw him. Uh, uh, John 6, 53, except ye eat and drink of the Lord. Uh, John 3, 3 and 5, except a man be born again. In John 19, no power except uh, uh, given from above. And then here, except your righteousness exceeds. 
So how is your righteousness going to exceed that of the Pharisees? When you understand that their righteousness is an external righteousness, not an internal righteousness. Does that make sense? All right, now, as we, as we look at these, these Pharisees, now I want you to just turn to Matthew 23 real quick. And, and just as the Lord uh, talks about them in quite a denouncement here, you'll begin to understand that these Pharisees were trying to bring people into bondage by the law and their external actions and their religiosities. And there are religions today that are based uh, on... What things you have to do in church or accomplish in church in order to get into heaven. And I've said this time and time again. There are no church doors that lead to heaven. Amen? It is only the door of Jesus Christ. And he's laying this down here so that that we get it, we understand it. He says in verse 4, Matthew 23. Talking about these religious leaders. They bind heavy burdens and grievous to be born. When you're told, I have to do this and I have to do that. It is a matter of responsibility, not a matter of love. As we've already just heard. He says, they are grievous to be born. They lay them on men's shoulders. But they themselves will not move them with one of their fingers. But all their works they do for to be seen of men. They make broad their, uh, if I can say this correctly, phylacteries, which is their scriptural verses that they would carry with them. Sometimes they would carry them on their forehead, some on their pouches, but they'd make these things huge so people understood how religious they were. And enlarge the borders of their garments. Then go to verse 14. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye devour widows' houses, and for pretense make long prayers. Therefore ye shall receive the greater damnation. Verse 23, Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites! For ye pay tithes and mints and anise, uh, 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 I think that's the word, and cumin. And has, you know, these are, uh, I understand, to be kitchen herbs and spices. And have omitted the weightier matters of the law, judgment, mercy, faith. These ought ye have done, and not to leave the other undone. Verse 25, Woe unto you, scribes, Pharisees, hypocrites! Ye may clean the outside of the cup and of the platter, but within they are full of extortion and excess. Thou bind Pharisees, oh, excuse me, thou blind Pharisees, cleanse first that which is, what? Within the cup. We're not talking about lawlessness or anything, but they had gotten the externals down rather than cleaning up the inside of the cup. And the only way you can clean up the inside of the cup is the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ inviting Him into your heart, and He purges you of all sin, and you are declared holy and right in His sight. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, verse 27, hypocrites, for ye are like unto whited sepulchers, which indeed appears beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and of all uncleanness. 
Even so ye also outwardly appear righteous unto men, but within ye are full of hypocrisies and iniquities. Verse 33, ye serpents, ye generations of vipers, how can you escape the damnation of hell? Get what he's saying? He's saying, you know what? It's not the outside. It's the inside. And but, but he's saying here is that the outside will manifest. I mean, excuse me. The inside will manifest itself out. But what they were trying to do is they were trying to paint the, uh, the sepulcher white. And they didn't take care of the dead man's bones inside. Now, every one of us knows what's in our heart, don't we? The Bible does say the heart is desperately wicked, and who can know it? The Bible says, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I would hope that all of us would understand that there is no way that we can meet God on His terms with the dead bones inside of our soul unless we get saved. Go back now to Matthew chapter 7. This is a... A passage here, I'm sure you've heard it before. Matthew chapter 7, verse 22. This morning I was at the altar and I was praying just a little bit and all of a sudden this verse just came alive to me and I want to share it with you this morning. Notice what he says here. Many will say to me in that day, the day that uh, Wayne Johnson sang about this morning, uh, that song one day, someday we're going to stand before the Lord. Many will say unto me, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? In thy name have cast out devils, in thy name done wonderful works. Man, I'm telling you what, this person here has done all these kinds of things, but there's something missing. And that is being born again. What you see in verse 22 is a person trusting in his religion and his works To get him into heaven. And verse 23 says, Then I will profess unto them, I never knew you. I don't care about how many miracles a person can perform. I don't care about how religious a person is. If he has not been born again, God says he has never known him. Depart from me. Notice what he says here. You workers of iniquity. You know, all through the scriptures, we discover this. It's not by works of righteousness we have done, but according to his grace, he has saved us. A man in uh, uh, Romans chapter four, it says that if he is trusting in his good works to get him to heaven, he's not getting the rewards of heaven. He's getting a debt towards hell. And there are many people who are in churches today and in religions today who are trusting in their externals rather than in their internals. Y'all got it? You see, I knew all this. I'm glad you do. That internal is a change in your life when you invited Christ in your heart. He comes and He changes you. So now back to chapter 6. And notice what he said. He's going to get into the central principle of these things. And we'll spend some time on each one of these. Not this morning. But as he gets into me, chapter 5. Notice as he gets into this, he says, you've heard it said, verse 21. And he's going to talk about anger. 
And what he says is he says, man, you've heard it said, don't go out there and kill somebody. But I'm going to tell you that if you have anger in your heart, you've committed murder in your heart. He's getting down to the heart of the issue, which is the central principle. People today think, well, I haven't killed people. I haven't committed adultery. You notice what he says here about adultery? He says, you've heard it said, don't commit adultery. I say unto you that if you had evil thoughts or uh, uh, um, lust in your heart towards a woman, you have committed adultery in your heart. Wow. The heart of the issue. The heart of the issue. You see, there's nothing in my hands I can bring. Has anybody committed murder here? I dare say there's not a person in this room that has not committed murder in their hearts. I dare say there's not a person in this room that has not committed adultery in their hearts. And he goes on, and not only does he talk about uh, killing and adultery, he talks about divorce, he talks about swearing, he talks about an eye for an eye, and he talks about loving your neighbors and loving your enemies. He's talking about the heart of the issue. Powerful preaching that comes here. He says, you've heard it said. And the idea here is you've heard these things. It's an impersonable, excuse me, an impersonal relationship. But I say unto you, it is not a code of ethics or your externals. It is about our heart, our thoughts, our intents. It's not a list. It's not a routine. It's not a regulation. It's not about Lent for six weeks. I remember someone coming up and says, you know what? I've given up mayonnaise for six weeks. <laughs> it's not a Persia. It's not a personal evaluation to a list. It's not judging ourselves by ourselves. It's not about the sex. It's not about the murder. It's not about the divorce. It's about whether you have Jesus Christ as your Savior. And when God comes in your heart, He changes you. It's not a mechanical aspect either. Here in 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 6, Who also hath made us able ministers of the New Testament, not of the letter, but of the Spirit. The letter killeth, but the Spirit gives life. I'm going to tell you something. you got God's Holy Spirit in you guiding you now, helping you grow and developing into the life that He wants you to be. It's from the inside out. It's a part of our maturity as we grow our faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It ought to be that our thoughts and our motives and our desires are about our love for God. Let me ask you, don't you want your preacher to be preaching to you because he loves you rather than a paycheck? That's why we don't pay our pastors much around here. <laughs> Listen to these verses. He said unto them, Ye are they which justify yourselves before men, but God knoweth your hearts. For that which is highly esteemed among men is an abomination in the sight of God. Preachers, servants of the Lord, we can go out and we can put on a fancy show, but God is about the heart and He knows the motives of our heart. And for preachers, take heed. Paul tells Timothy in the last book that he's writing to Timothy, Yes, and everyone who wants to live godly, uh, a good godly life in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. 
preacher doesn't get into the ministry because of how fat his paycheck's going to be. The Bible talks about the good shepherd, and the Lord Jesus Christ is the good shepherd. But I'm going to tell you something. We don't need to be hirelings around here either. He says in verse 13, which I found it was an interesting verse. This is what I read in my devotions this morning. He says, but evil people and impostors will what? Flourish. They will deceive others and will themselves be deceived. I'm going to tell you something. There's no greater heart that I have today than that you know for sure that you're on your way to heaven and that you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and no one else. No amount of religion. May God help us with that. The law is not just about the responsibilities. There's, there's these aspects of, of why I do things. It's not a law unto itself, but there's a law in my heart that God has now put in there. And he says, upon all these things hangs the laws, and that is to love God and to love others. Well, I can't do this now that I'm a Christian. Some people won't even get saved because they think, well, I've got to start going to church or I've got to give up this. I'm going to tell you something. If you get saved, there's a heart to want to go to church and there's a heart to get into God's Word and there's a heart to grow your life and those things. I remember before I got saved, I remember hearing this. Well, I don't smoke, I don't chew, and I don't run with the girls that do. And what does that have to do with you getting into heaven? Nothing. Now, it might not be bad to do those, not those things. And I, amen. And I mean, there is, there is wisdom to the disciplines of our life. I'm not going to discount that. There is wisdom in that. Paul says, I beat my body black and blue lest I become a slave to my body. And understand, yes, that flesh, though it's been cut off, it wants to rule your life. And I don't want it to rule my life because I don't want to miss out on what God has for me. But you've got to understand there is a difference of being born again through the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ and accepting that free gift and what kind of life you will live after you're saved. And this morning in my devotions, I was reading there again in, in 1 Timothy. And let, oops, let's go back here to this verse. For this is true, the love of God, that we keep His commandments. And His commandments are not grievous. In other words, now there's, there's this commandment to love God and to love others. It's not about myself. It's not about getting into heaven. But because I love God, I want to do what God wants me to do. It's one of the evidences of being born again. Aha. Guess who raises its ugly head over here, though? The flesh. It says, oh, you don't want to do those things. And I say, yes, I do want to do this thing. And no, you know, maybe you had this battle this morning. Or maybe you had this battle last night. And the flesh says, you don't want to go to church. Yes, I want to go to church. No, I don't want to go to church. And you're going on. Who are we going to yield to? I want to read my Bible. No, you don't want to read your Bible. I want to go to Sunday school. No, you don't want to go to Sunday school. Who are you going to yield to? Absolutely. The trouble is, too often we don't. And we let this flesh raise its ugly head and defeat us. Defeat God's light in our soul. Oh, here. I was reading this in 2 Timothy. And Paul's telling this to Timothy uh, after he tells him to study, to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, afraid, rightly dividing the words of truth. He says, but God's truth Stand firm like a foundation stone 
with this inscription, The Lord knoweth those who are His. That's not a surprise, is it? God knows who's saved. He wants you to know that, doesn't He? He says in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, These things have I written unto you that believe on the name of the Son of God, that you might know that you have everlasting life. I'm thankful that today I know I'm going to go to heaven when I die. I have no doubts about it. I have no doubts about it. If God tarries and I live another 10 years, I'll still be going to heaven because it's not about Greg Kaminsky. It's not about him being the senior pastor of Westside Baptist Church or anything good that he has accomplished. It is based on Jesus Christ and him alone. God knows and all who belong to the Lord must turn away from evil. You know why I want to turn away from evil? Because it's repulsive. Notice what verse 20 says. In a, in a wealthy... This is interesting. I want to, What kind of vessel do I want to be now that I've been born again? In a wealthy home, some utensils are made of gold and silver, and some are made of wood and clay. The expensive utensils are used for special occasions, and the cheap ones are for everyday use. Guess what kind of vessel I want to be? <laughs> I don't want to be a cheap one, though, all right? If you keep yourself pure. He's talking about now this flesh, and this is what we got in on Wednesday night. And I, I tell you what, you've got to understand, there's a, there's, guess what gets dirty in your life? Your flesh does. Your flesh steps in the poo. You let it step in the poo. He says, if you keep yourself pure, you will be a special utensil for honorable use. Guess what? I don't want to step in the poo. You imagine? Man, we could spend a little bit of time just cleaning up our kitchen. Can you imagine if we went in there and we had poo on our forks? How many are going to want to use a fork like that? None of us. Here God has declared us holy, His children, and without fault. And He wants us to be used of Him. Don't step in the pool of this life. And if you do step in the pool of this life, 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to clean up that stuff. Because God wants to continue to use you. Your life will be clean and you'll be ready for the master to use you for every good work. Now, that's motivation to me. I want to be used of God because God gave his son to die on the cross to rescue me from hell. I want my life to count for him. Do you think before I got saved, I had that desire? Change desires. So you see, religion, listen to me, religion is about, okay, God, I want you to use me. I want to cast out the demons and I want to do all these things here for me to get into heaven. No, that's selfish. Now I want to be used because of him and his glory. Boy, that's, that's love. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved. Yet so is by fire. God knows our motives. 
You know, I'm saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, but I dare say there's going to be a few things in my life that are going to be burned up because I didn't keep myself unspotted from the world and I had the wrong motives of my heart. Martin Lloyd-Jones said this, and let me conclude with this. Our time is gone. He says, but if your main objective and intent is to conform to the discipline that you have set for yourself, it may very well be the greatest danger to your soul. Fasting and praying are good things. But if you fast twice a week or pray at a particular hour every day, merely in order to carry out your discipline, then you have missed the whole object of fasting and praying. There is no point in either of them or in observing Lent or in anything else that is meant to be an aid to the spiritual life unless they bring us into a deeper relationship to God. I may stop smoking, I may stop drinking or gambling during these six weeks or any other period. But if during that time my poverty of spirit is not greater, my sense of weakness is not deepened, my hunger and thirst after God and righteousness is not greatly increased, then I might just as well not have done it at all. Wow. So... As your pastor, I want you to make sure you're going to heaven. Amen? And I don't want you to miss out on the journey, the joy of the journey. Father, I pray that you'll help us now as we gain understanding of of this truth that we are saved by grace. And here, as Jesus says, except except your righteousness exceeds that of of the righteousness of the Pharisees. That external, God, we're not wanting to play church. It's got to be real. It's got to be in our lives. It's got to be in our soul. And that can only take place if we've been born again. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed as God uh, has asked this message to be preached today. While you are sitting there, where do you stand with God? What are you trying to do? Or are you trusting in Jesus Christ? Heads are bowed and eyes are closed. I want every person in this room to examine themselves. That very first verse we looked at. Examine yourself whether in the faith. Is Jesus Christ in your heart? Say, Pastor, I know without a shadow of a doubt He's in my heart. I can tell that because He's given me these new desires. He's given me this relationship. He's helped me to see the, the poo of life. And I want to live for Him. Oh, there are many times that I fail. But I recognize those failures and so I ask Him to forgive me. That's a part of salvation. I want to grow my life. I'm there. God has saved me. If you cannot say that this morning, why don't you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ in Him alone? Him alone, nothing else. You can do it right now. Father, I want to, can, I, want to I, I see myself as a sinner. There's nothing in my hands I can bring. I don't, I'm not going to trust in my church attendance. I'm not going to trust in anything but Jesus Christ in Him alone. And He rescues you. And He gives you a new life. And that new life has a, a new direction. And then if you are been born again, you know you're saved. 
Don't miss out on the joy of serving the Lord. It's not a I have to. I want to deepen my relationship with Jesus Christ. Maybe some of you struggle with that right now. You know, it's been an external thing, even this walk. Maybe you got saved. Maybe you did truly accept the Lord as your Savior. But now you're trying to live your Christian life on the externals rather than on the internals. Let God's love radiate in your life and let Him manifest Himself and just become obedient and just follow Him. He'll give you the ability to do that because you've been born again. So this morning, whatever the decisions are, may God help us. Father, I pray for these decisions now in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing Just As I Am uh, without one plea. We'll sing three verses of it again. If this morning you want to have Christ as your Savior, you can invite Him in now in your seats, or maybe you already have. You can come to this altar. Say, I need to get saved. You can go out to the back and someone will meet you in the back or you can come up and visit afterwards. But don't leave without having that assurance that you're going to spend eternity with God forever. And then if you're missing the journey and the joy of the journey and you're saying, man, I've got to go to church and I've got to go to Sunday school and I've got to read my Bibles, you've missed it. my friend. You might be born again, but you're missing out on the joy of the journey and the love relationship that you get. You know, husbands and wives, they say that 80% of husbands and wives don't get along very well. How fun is that? I'm going to tell you something. To be in love with the Lord. Now, I didn't mean for you to get asked, hey, do you love me or don't love me? You know, Love God. Let's stand together. Just as I am, and our time has fleeted away this morning. Thank you for listening so carefully. But now the decisions to be made. God, help my love for you. That relationship is sure. Now I want to be what I ought to be. Just as I am. certain before you leave, please come and visit. May God grant to us the assurance of our salvation and then the joy of
of the journey. Amen. Well, you've listened well. we got just a couple of announcements today. You need to get the finances in and register for that. The parties that are coming up this week, there are several of them. And Young at Heart, the home builders. Uh, Saturday at 9 o'clock, we're going to go out. We have, uh, pray that they come in, our Christmas flyers. We've ordered a 1,000 of them. We'll give out whatever we don't pass out on Saturday to you next Sunday to invite your friends as we have our children's Christmas play next Sunday night. We have our adult choir in two weeks from this morning, and we have our candlelight service and all that's on this flyer. But Saturday, we have Evangelism Day where we're going out to tell people about Jesus Christ and to give them an invite to the special services here. So all those things are taking place, a lot of good things, and we've got some exciting things planned. Uh, is Are they in here this morning, the fishers? Are they here, fishers? Oh, well, let's give them a hand. They'll hear it no matter where. <laughs> and also, uh, we've got, uh, and, and I saw Margaret is here this morning, 51 years. Amen to that. <laughs> Praise the Lord. Well, blessings to you. You are dismissed.